We're in a series uh, entitled Whisper, and we've been talking about how to hear the voice of God. This week, I heard a whisper that got my attention, a whisper that I haven't heard in a long time. Did you want to hear about it? I thought you might. So as, you, as many of you know, um, uh, my wife had surgery a few weeks ago. And then last weekend, she started having some complications from surgery. That's why I wasn't here last weekend. I, I, I got to church Sunday morning. We were at the ER until late Saturday night. I got here Sunday morning. And we had our pre-service meeting, and then I had to leave and go take her back to the ER. So thank you uh, for allowing me to be a husband first last week, um, if that's okay. Did Pastor Darren do a good job? Yeah. All right. Um, so we were ER Saturday, ER all day Sunday, doctors Monday, doctor Tuesday, doctor Wednesday. It was just, it was just one of those weeks. So she's been on bed rest all week long, couldn't, couldn't get out. She's doing a little better now. Please pray for her. She's having a little pain this morning. As you can see, she slipped out. Uh, so we just need to get past this. Um, so the doctor has her on really strong pain medications, really strong antibiotics, like all these, you, you, you know how when you have a surgery and things, they just, let's just do this and this and this. And so... She's laying in bed all day. She's, you know, she's been, she's been in bed since 8 o'clock that morning. It's now, I don't know, 11.30 at night. So she's been, been in bed all day long, has hardly gotten up. Uh, kids have been asleep for a couple hours. And I'm sitting on my recliner watching the Warriors uh, play whoever they were playing. And uh, it was a pretty good game at the time. So I'm watching the basketball playoffs. It's just me up in the house. And where my recliner sits, if you can envision this with me, I'm, I'm watching the TV, my recliner sits here, and the door to our bedroom is right behind my head, okay? So, so kids have been asleep for hours, Lindsay's been asleep all day long, um, it's 11.30 at night, and all of a sudden I hear the faintest, not even a whisper, like a, like a breathe, like a Can you hear that? Like, this is all I hear. Like, so much so that it hardly registered that I heard a whisper. I don't, th I don't even know what it is. So I happened to turn over my shoulder and look. And here is my wife standing there with her hair out. Because, ladies, you know, she's been in, in bed all day. <laughs> she's on heavy narcotics, so her eyes are this big. Her, her, she's all dilated, and she's standing there going, Brandon, what are you doing? I screamed so loud. I kid you not. I jumped out of the recliner like sideways, like, like, I, like, I don't even know how I did I like, I came out the side. There was no pushing. Phone, everything remote, and I come out sideways, and she, she doesn't even react. She, she don't even, she's so dead asleep. She doesn't remember the story right now. The next morning, I'm, tell I'm still mad about it the next day. I was mean to her. I'm like, get yourself back in bed right now. What are you doing? She's like, I don't even know. I was just, she, I just said, Randon, what are you doing? I said, no, you didn't. That was the creepiest, scary movie whisper that I've ever heard in my life. My heart's racing right now. I'm still thinking about it. The next morning, I'm still, I'm still mad at her. I'm like, God, they do it. She's like, why are you being upset with me? I'm like, because you scared me so bad last night, like to the core. She's like, what are you talking about? So I told her the story. Now she's telling everybody. She doesn't even remember it. She's like, I got my husband so good. I'm like, 
Can you take credit for it if you don't remember it? I don't know. Apparently you can. That's not the kind of whisper we're looking to hear. But I can tell you that God wants to whisper to you. He wants to speak into your life. And I wonder how many times in your deepest, darkest place when you were down and worried and about to do something foolish, the Holy Spirit was whispering to you and saying, Brandon, what are you doing? But we didn't look around to see who was talking to us. We didn't listen for God. We went right on anyway. And then our life blew up and we wondered, why didn't anybody stop me? And the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of you, was whispering to you all along. We just weren't paying attention. I, I want to talk to you um, about a, a, a couple of languages that God speaks today. But before we do, I want to get packed to reading our four verses. I want to get you to help me read these verses. We're going to read them out loud. Um, I don't know if you've been reading these every day, but I want you to get them in your spirit. I want you to know them. I want you to feel them. I want them to become a part of you because contained within these verses is the heart of this series, and I believe the heart of God, that God wants relationship with you, and relationship requires communication, right? And one problem in marriage is, what is it? Communication. Number two is money, right? Because relationships don't work without communication. And God's saying, I want to be closer to you. Let's talk. So we're going to read John chapter 10, verse 27. All out loud, do it loud and proud. I don't want, I don't want, to, hear no, I don't want to hear no Lindsay whispers right here. All right? Here we go. One, two, three. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. We know his voice. And we listen. John chapter 16, verse 13. One, two, three. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Who's the you? Me. Wait. <laughs> Sorry, I went a little old school preacher on you right there. Stopped in the middle of the verse. Here we go. We'll, we'll, we'll go. Second line. He will not speak on His own but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. God wants to talk to you about your future. He wants to talk to you about your future. All right, next verse. Proverbs 3 and 5, five and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trying to decide, do I take this job, do I take that job? Do I marry that person, do I not? Do I move there or do I not? Do I buy this house or do I don't? He'll show you which path to take. Romans 8 and 14, and I love this one. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. When you're led by the Spirit of God, when you are led by your guide, the Holy Spirit, you are a child of God. That's good verses, right? Let me tell you a couple of quick stories uh, here, uh, kind of about my life and, and hearing from God. Uh, when I was 16 years old, uh, 
I had the chance to go. Uh, there was a ministry at the time. They're, they're no longer in existence, which is, pretty, is, is uh, heartbreaking for me to think about. The ministry was called Teen Mania. It was led by a man named Ron Luce. They existed for many years. And they did a couple things. They put on youth conferences around the country called Acquire the Fire. I went to many of them. Um, I quit going because every time I went to an Acquire the Fire, I ended on, on a month-long mission trip on the other, some other side of the world the next summer. So I quit going to Acquire the Fire. <laughs> but Teen Mania, would, they would send literally thousands of teenagers all over the world to Africa, uh, to, to Asia, to South America, all over the place. I, I spent a month at 14 years old in Lima, Peru. Uh, 14 years old, knew no one else in the country. You go there and there's like 60 teenagers and you're preaching the word of God and you're seeing miracles. We saw uh, that summer, I think we saw 2,800 people saved just within our group of like 12, uh, 22 kids. It was amazing. It was amazing. I saw blind eyes open. I saw deaf ears open. I'm, I'm 14 years old and, I, and I'm praying for people and miracles are happening. Not just me, but our little group of three would be, it was, it was amazing. When I was 16, I went to Alaska. Actually, myself and, and Pastor Ryan went, and we were in different groups, but we both went to uh, the, the state of Alaska, which was a very different kind of mission trip. Alaska is a very interesting state. It's a very dark state, believe it or not. Uh, high alcohol usage, high drug usage. Part of it is because for much of several months out of the year, it never gets sunlight. It's only darkness. In that trip... At 16 years old, and just to give you a picture of where I was in my life, I love God, was following God. Obviously, I'm on a mission trip, given a month of my summer, raised thousands of dollars to go uh, to, to the other side of the country to preach the gospel. And, and yet, my whole goal in life, I had given up on my dream to play for the Astros when I got cut from my freshman year baseball team. <laughs> well, that dream went down the toilet. <laughs> <It's just laughs> so, my new dream that I was passionate about was my plan was to go to Texas A&M University, follow that up and get my law degree. And I wanted to be an attorney. And then I wanted to be a judge and then go into politics. All right. You'd all vote for me, right? And some of you are like, no, not a chance. I saw you shaking your head. No, we love you as a pastor. No, we're not voting for you. <laughs> I wouldn't vote for me either. <laughs> Just to be honest with you. But this was my goal. I wanted to be an attorney. I, I wanted to argue. Uh, I wanted to, like, you know, I love watching attorney sh uh, lawyer shows on TV. And not that that's how it really happens in real life, but I thought it did. And that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to, you know, uh, the truth. You can't handle the truth. And when no one cheered, uh, uh, you know, so I, that's what I wanted to be. But we go at 16 years old. I'm in a little bitty town called Kotzebue, Alaska. Kotzebue is a fishing village right on the Arctic Ocean. As a matter of fact, I swam in the Arctic Ocean two weeks after it unfroze. Two weeks before we had been there, they were driving cars across the Arctic Ocean. The only way you can get there is drive a car across the ocean during the winter or when it's frozen or buy a boat for the two months of a year when it's not frozen or you have to fly in. And we, we flew in. Uh, but I'm in a little bitty uh, Assembly of God church and we, had, we were having a Wednesday night service there. And I'm telling you, the entire church building could have fit in one of these sections. And, and uh, the band's at the front, and they're leading worship. And I'm going to be as nicely as I can. I, as nice as I can, I'm going to say this. It, it wasn't as good as our worship. You take that as far as you want to take it. 
is that how not good it was and then go a little further it was not good and we're sitting there and and there's there's 22 people in our group 23 people in our group and there's four people on the stage leading and there might have been four Alaskans in the room it was mostly our group and worship was terrible and I'm sitting down about three rows from the back, and I'll, and I'll never forget this moment. In the, in the middle of this worship service, I wasn't feeling God. I wasn't sensing God. I mean, in the worship service this morning, I was really feeling God. I don't know what you were feeling, but you know, this just felt like a really good day for me. I just really felt the Holy Spirit while we were worshiping. Um, this was not one of those days. I'm telling you, I was mostly checked out. And I even, which is something I never do, I sat down for a minute in the middle of worship. And when I sat down... The Holy Spirit immediately gave me three visions. Boom, boom, boom. Very short, very concise. The entire experience might have lasted 15 seconds. I saw three short visions, all between me and my father, all in his office, which he doesn't have anymore. Uh, it's now a cafe in Nederden, but it, they were all, at the time, it was his office. And I was sitting across from his desk. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, and he told me three separate things. Um, and, and taking out the specifics of where we, uh, what the room looked like, the place being in his office marked his headship and his authority in my life. Are you with me? Um, and he spoke to me three things that were setting the course for my life. Now, this was my, my dad speaking. This was God speaking. But in the vision, it was my father as the headship in my life as the authority in my life not just at 16 but even still now in everything I do I'm submitting to my pastor and so as that God showed me three separate occurrences two of which have already happened one of which he said Brandon it's time for you to be a youth pastor at the time I was 16 years old this didn't take place until uh five years later when I finally became a youth pastor. But in that moment, what was God doing? God was changing the course of my life. Two things came from that. Number one, I wasn't supposed to go be an attorney. I was supposed to go into the ministry. You say, well, Pastor Randy, that's, that's easy. You should have known that. You grew up and your dad was the pastor. Yes, I grew up and some people in this room, and I won't point you out, you called me baby pastor my whole life. And I didn't like it. I loved the people and they were being good to me. They were, it, was, it was a very honoring thing. That's my future pastor. And, but I didn't like that because I wanted another dream for my life. I wanted another path for my life. The future we just talked about, that God will show you your future. I was dreaming my future and my plans. And in this moment, God shifted and he said, you're going into ministry. All three of them had to do with steps of my ministry that at the time I didn't even want second thing was it being my father gave me an understanding of the where it was supposed to be so when I became a youth pastor I became a youth pastor right here at Triumph Church these were visions these were visions I was fully awake I was, not, I was not asleep. I was not passed out. This was not God speaking to me in a dream. Or while I was asleep, I was fully awake. And I saw three moving pictures, visions that happened very quick. And yet, it was clearly God setting the course of my life. Are you tracking with me? 
move forward. I'm uh, 22 years old or so now, youth pastor and doing well and uh, newly married, uh, you know, wife's pregnant, don't know what I'm doing. Guy calls me and he, he says, Rendon, I want you to go to Seattle with me. There's a youth conference going on there and, uh, and I want to fly you and Lindsay up. And I want you to hang out with us. This youth conference is one of the biggest conferences in the country. And it's got some of the, the, the leading um, speakers from around the world. Um, for instance, uh, have, you, have, any of ever, have you, any of you ever heard of Christine Kane? She's one of the biggest itinerant speakers in the world right now. She was at this conference. And, and this, this guy said to me, he said, Randon, I want to come. I want you to hang out. I want you to be with these people. Um, I, and I just want you to just be around these, these leading voices, not just in youth ministry, but, but in the church. So we go up there. They took care of us. They wined us. They dined us. They treated us like we were a guest speaker. Just before we leave, the guy says, Randon, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, I had an ulterior motive in bringing you up here. You see, my father, and, and um, he and his father co-pastor a, a church of about twelve or 14,000 members in Chicago. He said, my father sent me here with a blank check and a blank job description and said, whatever it takes, don't come home unless you hire Randon Clark to come work for us. He said, tell me what you want to make and, and write your own job description, and it's done. I'm just, a, I'm just a kid from Nederland, Texas. I, I won't lie to you. It messed with my head. Can you forgive me for that? I'm 21 years old. I, I'm a youth pastor, and, and I don't make any money. And all of a sudden, it's a blank check and a blank job description. I'm going to get to, to where we're going in a minute. Y'all okay? Within two weeks of that and I didn't I didn't respond to him I said man we got to pray about this I come home and immediately I talked to my father about it and we're, and we're praying about it within two weeks I got three other offers another mega church in Chicago calls and says we want you to come be our youth pastor um, a, a mega church in Atlanta Georgia and if I told you uh, if I told you the pastor's name He's on TV like every three times a week. You'd know exactly who I was talking about. Calls and is like, hey, we want you to come and interview to be our youth pastor. We've heard incredible things about you. Marcus Meekham says you're the guy. I'm like, what? I get a call from Benny Hinn Ministries. This was before Benny kind of uh, went into a semi-retirement mode. He was still having huge conferences. And he said, what I'm wanting to do is God has told me to have youth crusades one a month around the country. He said, what I want you to do, Randon, is I, I want you to come work for me, and your job is going to be to fly into a city, coordinate with youth pastors, meet with the youth pastors, get all their kids pumped up, run all the volunteer teams. You're running the entire event. You're going to be on the, on the stage saying, you know, this guy, have you ever seen a Benny Hinn crusade? This kid has a broken arm, and the doctors can't heal it, and you, you know all that stuff? Like, I'm coordinating the whole thing. He's like, look, this is what we want you to do. We've heard, we've heard good things, and you're, you've come highly recommended. And I'm like, what? So we pray. I talk to my father. I actually had a, a, a lady uh, come to me and say, you know, I really heard God speak, and he said, you're supposed to go. 
And Lindsay and I were like, okay. So we talk about it, and we decide to take the first job in Chicago. We make the decision. I call Dad, and I said, Dad, look, I just want you to know. We've decided to go to Chicago. And you know, if you understand my relationship with my father, it was breaking his heart. And he said, Randon, I bless you. That's what you feel God's calling you to do. Uh, you've got my full support. And so Lindsay and I, we said, all right, we're not going to call them yet because when we make huge life decisions, we don't immediately go jump and do it. We, we just, we have this habit, we don't. So I've talked to you before about when I make big decisions, one of the things I do is I make the decision and then I sit on it and I don't talk about it for at least 24 hours, if not 72. This one was about 72 hours. We didn't, Lindsay and I didn't talk about it. We didn't, we didn't pray about it. We just lived as if we're getting ready to move to Chicago. We go to church on a Sunday and we come home. We went to our, we were living in a mobile home at the time behind my grandparents and uh, we didn't have cable. We, we owned two movies that we watched a thousand times. Uh, so we take a nap on Sunday afternoon and I'll never forget in the middle of that nap God spoke to me and when I woke up and I turned and looked at, looked at Lindsay and she was pregnant at the time she was sitting up at the bed and she was looking down at me and I looked at her and I said God spoke to you didn't he she said yes while I was sleeping. She said, he spoke to you? I said, yes. She said, what did he tell you? We're not going to Chicago. She said, I know. While sleeping, wasn't praying, wasn't looking for God to speak, was tired and took a nap. And yet in the middle of that, in our dreams, God spoke so clearly to us at the very same time. Call my dad. We're not going to Chicago. He may or may not have been doing a happy dance on the other side of the phone. In my mind, he was crying and shouting and cheering. But he said, son, as long as you heard from God, I'm behind you. But I just, I just want to believe that he was like celebrating called my friend and I said look I'll, I'll be honest with you we were coming and God said don't go God told us in a dream don't go and he told Lindsay and I the same he said no problem Randy you're supposed to follow God he said you sure I can't up the offer I said, <laughs> I, said I, I cannot do what I know God has told me not to do and I will tell you that that was a very difficult decision not, not just because of the money, not, not just because at that time of our life, the staple food in our freezer was those 10 burritos for $5 you used to get from Walmart. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. God's blessed me. I love every bit of my life. I'm just telling you, this is the realities of where we were. We had a TV in the living room, and we had one chair in the living room. And when our friends came over, Lindsay and I would sit on the ground, and they would share the chair. I get it. And this guy's offering you the moon and a, and a big city. It's Chicago. It's, it's, the, it's the miracle mile. It's, it's the whole deal. And yet, 
God said no. If I had said yes, a couple things would have happened. Number one, I would have been in complete disobedience to God. Number two, I wouldn't be standing here today. Wouldn't be standing here today. Because from that moment, God set me on a course of events that were unexpected. And I'll tell you what else he did. He sped up the process in my life. I don't believe God speeds up the process if I don't follow him when he spoke to me in that dream. One of the languages that God speaks is God speaks through dreams and visions. I'm telling you stories about my life because these are the things that have shaped me. I'm, I'm talking about, I'm talking about life-changing moments when God spoke to me in dreams and in visions. You can say, well, Pastor Randy, he doesn't still do that anymore. No, I believe he does. I believe he does. I, I believe he does because he's done it for me time and time and time again. And all the stress we had over deciding, do we go to Chicago? Do we go to Florida? Do we go to Chicago? Do we go to Atlanta? What do we do? Do we stay here? All the stress, the moment God spoke, the stress and the anxiety was gone. I won't tell you there was no disappointment, that I wasn't looking forward to an adventure, but I will tell you that the peace of God swept into my life, and I have never doubted what God spoke at that moment. God still speaks in dreams and visions. Acts chapter 1, the disciples are, man, they're, they, they've been hiding out. They weren't just talking about killing Jesus, they were talking about killing all of his followers. They're hiding out. And so there's about 120 of them, and they're waiting on the promise that Jesus gave them, that the Holy Spirit would come. I'm going to talk to you more about the Holy Spirit in a, in a, in a couple of weeks, but uh, it, it's, it's Pentecost, and, and all of a sudden, as they're praying and as they're in, in one mind and in, in one accord and they're, and they're praying, the Holy Spirit comes down upon them and fills them. And, and they stumble out and, and suddenly they see people everywhere. There are thousands of people gathered because it was one of the great feasts of Jerusalem at the time. There are thousands of people from all over the world there. And they're speaking in another language. They're speaking in tongues and and Peter stands up to preach the gospel and he says, These are not drunk as you suppose, for it's like nine o'clock in the morning. And then he goes on to tell them what's happening. And I want to read this verse to you from Acts chapter 2. He stepped forward to the other eleven and he said, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assume, assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. That might be a word for the Lord from somebody in this room today. <laughs> he goes on. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Now he's going to quote the prophet Joel. Remember, this is just a fisherman. This is just a fisherman. And he starts prophesying. He says, in the last days... I will pour out my spirit. Spirit is capitalized. Who's he referring to? 
the Holy Spirit. I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. We see the Holy Spirit at work in the Old Testament, but He was not at work on all people. He would rest upon one or two or maybe a few. But in this moment, He pours out His Spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see what? And your old men will dream what? Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Here's my point. Here is, here is Peter standing at one of the crossroads in human history where we're now looking back at the cross, but we don't really understand the future. And one of the things that Peter says is, I want you to know what's changing. Previously, it was only the prophets that had visions and dreams. But now, when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to pour out His Spirit upon all people, and and you're going to have dreams and visions, and God's going to begin to speak to individuals through dreams and visions. Now, let me ask you this question. Are you part, if I say all people, does that include you? Surely it does. We are all a part of this all people group. And and Joel had prophesied it years and years and years and years before. And Peter says, "Good, good news. The Holy Spirit is here. And because he's here, you can hear from God through dreams and visions. It's one of the ways that God speaks. Dreams and visions. Peter goes on later after prophesying this. It isn't but a few chapters later in the book of Acts. that Peter has a vision. It's a very important vision, and I'm not going to go to all the details of it, but I will tell you why it was important. It was in this time that Peter really believed in all of his sincerity that the gospel, that salvation, was only for the Jews. It was not for Gentiles. It was not for me. It was not for most of you. If you're not a Jew in the room, then salvation was not for you. And Peter has this vision. And in the vision, God speaks to him. And the the culmination of that vision is salvation is not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles. Go to the house of Cornelius. At the same time, God gives Cornelius a vision about Peter. So when Peter goes and knocks on the door, suddenly... The, the, the merging of these two things happening happen, and Cornelius, his whole household is saved as Peter preaches the word of God to the Gentiles for the very first time. Now, Paul is often called the apostle to the Gentiles because his primary role was preaching to Gentiles. He argued with Gentiles. He brought the word of God to the Gentiles. But Peter was the one who actually got the vision that has changed my life and changed yours. Because God spoke to Peter in a vision. But not all dreams and not all visions are from God. It's tough to know sometimes which is which. It it might be a dream from God. The dream you had last night might be God telling you something. It also might be that you shouldn't have had so much bluebell before you went to bed. So knowing the difference is sometimes difficult. I'll give you a couple of observations uh, really quickly. Number one... God-given dreams will not contradict Scripture. God-given dreams won't contradict Scripture. So if you've got a dream and you're saying, is this from God, is it not? You have a vision and you're saying, is this from God or is it not? Look in Scripture. If it contradicts Scripture, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not from God. Number two, 
the meaning of dreams isn't always immediately discernible. God gives us a dream, and immediately we want to see it happen. I want to go back to when I was 16. Um, when I was 16, 16 years old, remember that the first one I saw was walking into my father's office, sitting down across from his desk, and him telling me, you're going to be the youth pastor of Triumph Church. Right? I come home, I go into my senior year of high school, and uh, Pastor Ryan can attest to this. Uh, when we got home, while, actually while we were on our mission trip, and right after that, our youth pastor got in some trouble. And so for the next month, he was kind of MIA, and then he was let go. And I haven't seen him, uh, didn't see him, for, he's, he's passed away now, but I hadn't seen him, didn't see him for many, many years. And so there was a period of time there during the fall, immediately after I've had this vision, you're going to be the next youth pastor, where we literally didn't have a youth pastor. And it was Pastor Ryan and myself and, and Pastor Kara and some of our friends that were primarily leading the youth ministry with one of, our, one of our associate pastors would come in when he had to and preach to us. Otherwise, we ran everything. Am I telling the truth? So, so bear with me. I feel like, I, or I know I got this vision from God that you're going to be the youth pastor at Triumph Church. I immediately come home and there's a youth pastor vacancy. Yes, Lord. It's my time. I heard you, God. And that meeting never happened. Instead, my father had the audacity to go out and hire Pastor Damon and Christine Scapin to come in and be our youth pastors. Wait a minute, God. You spoke, then I thought there was an opportunity. And then now what? They were youth pastors for like five years. I'm sitting on the sidelines. I'm sitting on the sidelines. I already know I'm going to be the youth pastor. And I'll tell you, I'm not very proud of it. I did not make it easy for them. I've had to apologize many times to them. When he comes, you can ask him, did Pastor Randy really apologize to you for making your life a living? You fill in the blank. He'll tell you. I've had to go to him and say, Damon, I am so sorry. It wasn't his fault. It was my fault. Why? Because I assumed that the dream and the vision was for that moment. It wasn't for that moment. It wasn't for that moment. It took years. Did it mean that the word wasn't from God? No. It just means that it wasn't for that time. Sometimes we get dreams and they don't always make sense. Keep it in your heart. Write it down in a journal. Um, pastor uh, Ronnie Ramirez, one of, one of our pastors here, keeps a journal by his bed. Uh, he, he has dreams all the time. He, like, as long as I've known him, as close as we've been, he's one of those guys that he gets dreams from God. And he'll come to me and he'll sit down and he'll say, you know, Pastor Ryan, I had this dream. He said I, he said, I don't know what it means. I don't even know what it's for. He'll tell me the dream. Other times he won't tell me. And then two years later, something will happen. And he'll pull back his journal. And he'll, he will read to me a dream from years ago that is an encouragement to me and helps my life make sense at that moment. Because dreams are not always immediately discernible. And they're not always for right now. So if you feel like you had a dream from God, number one, does it contradict Scripture? 
And number two, is it the right time for it? I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to skip the last two languages. I'll try to talk about them next week. But I want to skip ahead to this. In the New Testament, there are two words for time. Guys, I don't even know where I'm at on my notes, so just try to stay with me. There's, there's two words for time in the New Testament. The first word is the word chronos. Say that with me, chronos. It's where we get our word chronologic or chron, uh, chronological, right? It's the time that you keep on your watch. It's, it's moving. It's linear. It's moving in time. It's, it's, it's always moving forward. It's always going. It's chronological. It comes from one of the Greek gods. They, it, the god's name was Kronos, and, and he was a little short guy with really muscular legs, and he ran really fast. And the idea was that if he ever ran past you, you couldn't catch him because time was always moving forward. You had to try to keep up. So it's Kronos. Um, this is the, the thing about Chronos time is Chronos time is uh, constructed. It's it's constructed by humans. It's constructed by man. It, it's our understanding of times. Remember, early on they would constructed time by the phases of the moon. Now we have a calendar and we've constructed time. So we're functioning on this chronological order, day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. This is not a bad thing. It becomes bad, though, when we try to apply man restrictions of chronological time, chronos time, to God. Because God doesn't live in chronos time. God lives outside of chronos time. You tracking with me? The second word for, for uh, uh, time in the New Testament, in the Greek, is the word kairos. Everybody say that with me, kairos. K-A-I-R-O-S, Kairos. And, and it means an opportune time. So chronological is the order, the hours, the time, the minute, the date, the week, the month. It's, it's the moving along. But Kairos is that single moment. It's that, it's that opportunity in time. It's just that right place. It's that right thing in that right place. It's, it's been uh, d- described as this. Actually, um, if you look it up on, on Wikipedia, it's, it's the critical moment or the appointed time. But it's actually an archery term. It's an archery term. And here's what it means. It, it, it refers to an arrow fired with sufficient force to penetrate a target. So if you've ever shot a bow and arrow, you understand that arrows don't fly flat. Why don't they? Gravity. Right? So the moment you start shooting the arrow, when you let it go, it's immediately going to start falling. So you shoot it at an upward angle, and it goes up, but gravity is pulling on it, so it goes into an, an arc, right? Thus, archery, right? In addition to that, there are outside forces. Your target might be moving. There might be wind blowing. If your target is moving, the logic says... Point the arrow directly at the target and let it go. But first of all, if you do that, gravity is going to pull it and you're going to miss love. Secondly, if your target is moving, by the time the arrow gets there, you're going to miss your bullseye because the target has already been moving in a linear fashion. Thirdly, there are forces at play. There are outside forces at play. The wind can push it up, can push it down, can push it left, can push it right. The wind can do all types of things. If it's rain, it's going to weigh your arrow down. All types of things can happen. So the, the good archer knows, and, and this is what kairos means, 
Uh, it is the ability to evaluate all the variables and hit the time exactly right. So when you hit your bullseye, it's not just about being a good aim. It's about putting all the variables together and at exactly the right moment, the arrow that's falling, that's moving with the wind, and your target that's moving, they arrive on target at exactly the right moment. I want you to put that in your understanding of God. Your life is full of variables. The winds are blowing, the storms are blowing, troubles are brewing, people are pushing you around, and you're moving forward on a chronological time scale. And yet God is firing an arrow with the precision of a master archer. And, it, and that kairos moment, if you'll keep following God, his kairos moment, his word, his answer to your prayer, his answer to your dream, his answer to everything you've needed,